and welcome back to the Business Growth Advantage. I've got my good new friend, Margaret Burke, here today. And before we start talking about what she does and why she's so helpful, I just want to start off by saying that if you know me, you know how much I love team and how just the extent to which our business has grown because I've leaned into things like team and culture. And we have seen so much business growth and time freedom for me over the past year because I made this a real commitment before some would say I had the size of a business to really make this a priority. So Margaret and I are going to be talking today about team, specifically in the law firm setting. If you're not yet at a place where you have a team of five or more, even if you're not a lawyer or a law firm owner, I really encourage you to stick with us, to stay tuned in because this is a conversation that will help you, not if, but when, right? And when you get to these places, this is just a great thing that you can do proactively to say, oh yeah, I've got this go-to podcast episodes. I've got these notes that I took on this. Margaret, I absolutely love what you do and the service that you're providing. I was just the other day thinking, oh, business owners need this type of service. And then I realized that, that you provide it. So let's get into what you do for lawyers. And if you can just tell us the quick origin story of how the business started. Sure. Yeah. First of all, I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you for having me. Of course. And I work with law firms. So my name is Margaret Burke and I am the president of MB Law Firm Consulting. And to quickly go to how I got here, I have been working in and with law firms for over 20 years. Mm. And I have developed a heartfelt fondness for attorneys and law firms. I Some people would call you crazy for that. <laughs> absolutely. It's uh, really though, law firms are not, it's not an easy business. It really isn't. There's a lot of competing priorities. And that is where I like to come in and be a resource. So yeah. in my experience with in-house managing a firm, I was with a firm for many years in Boston as a executive director and then CEO and have really had many experiences that have led me to the place where I want to come in and work with firms that don't have someone in-house, don't need someone in-house, but want a well-run firm. And that really is how I ended up starting my own company is seeing a very specific need within law firms. And I think law firms do benefit from working with people that understand the legal industry. Yeah. It is a little bit of a difference. Yes. I want to highlight several <clears throat> things that you said, or maybe put some words in your mouth based on conversations that we've had in the past, because okay. what you do and why I think it's so helpful is that there are some options out there that are growing around how you can hire an integrator or a COO or a fractional business manager. 
but I love two things about what you do. I love that you really emphasize that this is a temporary, ideally, experience where the entire goal of the way that you design your services is for after six months or so, your teachings, your learnings can be really internalized by the team and you have people on that team prepared and gaining that mastery of what you do so that they can grow and thrive without you is just, I love the value and mission behind that. And I think you're also right that lawyers are a little unique and the way that we set up our businesses, the challenges that we have, it's really nice to know that we can get this type of management assistance from a resource that really gets us. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for bringing that up. It's interesting because you named a few different roles that you see a lot now. Fractional is such, it's the word. Yeah. I think it became the word of 2022, maybe. <laughs> and now 23, many people know what that is. So fractional is someone that comes in on a part-time basis and fills a particular need. It's usually a, what we call C-level need. It could be CFO, COO, CMO, Chief People Officer. That's fractional. And many firms and companies don't need full-time and or cannot afford someone at that level full-time. Yeah. My approach is a hybrid of a few different roles. And this comes from experience, actually. And I've learned that many law firms are in need of some support at a high level. Yeah. They're also in need of support in areas that aren't considered high level, but they impact the revenue they impact the longevity of folks staying at the firm. And ideally, they will have an individual or team come in that understands firms, take a look at their firm with a fresh perspective, make recommendations, implement those recommendations instead of a blueprint so that the initiative that they've invested in is ongoing. And often, after I'm throwing out six months, it could be a little longer. Your sure. things are not all solved in six months, but you have a really good blueprint and the immediate needs are documented and taken care of by myself and my team. And then there's a plan B. And that is really at the option of the firm. And part of our role is to present options. Usually it there is someone already at the firm that is very valued and absolutely has a skill set of continuing some of the initiatives that were rolled out. Mm -hmm. Another could be to hire a part-time person. A third, and this is a hybrid, it could be a hybrid of the first two, continue to work with us at a very much reduced level to make sure yeah. that the responsibilities don't go back to the founder or managing partner. That is the yeah. key. Oh, we I love that. Ball, yeah, we can't have the ball going back to that individual once we phase into the next phase of the project. That's so good. I'm hearing both a respect for the role of CEO or partnership, but also an empowerment for the rest of the team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And most people want to be empowered. Many mm. firms have people working there that have been there for many years. It's not an easy environment. And usually they're there because they care about the firm and maybe they just need some more support or an infrastructure put in place for them. They may not have the ability to create the infrastructure, but they certainly can help maintain it. Yeah, oh, I love it. We were talking before we went live about how, unfortunately, most firms that think to reach out to you, it takes some type of an emergency for them to look someone like you out. And that can be the death of a partner or 
several people leaving at once and saying it's because of this cultural or certain partner reason. But once you're brought in and you see the situation that's happening and what can be improved, we were talking about how there's a lot of missed opportunities that can be improved upon once you see the insides. And one of them has to do with communicating plans across the organization. Tell us more about that. Sure. Yeah. Firms are not always known for communicating firm wide. <laughs> yeah. And it can be sometimes very different culture wise for to do this. And, you know, there's a few points I'd like to make. There's a lot of information that shouldn't be communicated firm wide. It's confidential. It could be hurtful. Mm-hmm. It's just not smart. However, the details don't always need to be shared, but there should be a level of sharing of initiatives that is shared firm-wide to start the buy-in, especially if there's going to be changes. People don't know it's coming. They're not going to jump on board. And in general, we all want to know what's going on. So if a firm starts to develop a culture of deliberately sharing information, the little things, the big things, People feel part of it. And when decisions are made that even if and when most people don't agree with that decision, because you can't please everyone, they at least know that they're part of something and there's a trust. People trust you when you share information. I think low-hanging fruit at a law firm is to develop a plan to share information. It could be things as simple as someone's anniversary is coming up. Mm. We're starting to consider hiring a marketing company to really want to embrace social media this year. Yeah. Things that people get excited about because people want to be part of something bigger than just their role. I love that. And I want to dig into that a little bit more because I know how big of a a fan you are of EOS and the book Traction. And there are a lot of books that I think complement it very well in terms of let's help you really clarify your value set and your mission and your quarterly goals. We talked before we went live about identifying those few goals to communicate. When you say not communicating the plan, what I first thought of was, okay, what if they work with you and they start for the first time clarifying or changing some of these big picture differences of, okay, this is now the mission of the firm. This is now what we're seeing as our core values. There being like a one-time big announcement of that kind of plan. And then that quarterly rhythm of these are the focuses of the quarter. Do you see certain like patterns of frequencies or you create a system or process around how the company is going to be communicating its plans? Are there certain like buckets that falls into in terms of like annual or quarterly or? Yeah, it, it depends on what the information is. Definitely not annually. I think there's an annual meeting. Sure. Where it could be virtual, it could be in person, where you share a recap of everything that has happened and people know about it because they were part of it. And it's yeah. a reminder like, hey, look what we've done together as a team. But as events occur, sharing it, events, the good news, the bad news. If someone leaves a firm, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a firm doesn't share with people that mm. someone left. And then the office is empty, like that actually happens. So getting into the habit of sharing comings and goings, events as they occur, and really being deliberate in making sure that a firm shares initiatives that are exciting. Mm. 
marketing. We hired a consultant because we want to develop our five or 10 year plan. It's okay to share that with people because people want to know that the firm has a plan. It reminds me, one of my business coaches who helps a lot on the marketing side and with sales says, if you don't communicate the reason why you're doing something, people will fill in the blank for themselves. And so if you, for example, in the marketing context, talk about this new course that you have or this new Mm -hmm. offering that you're putting together or this Mm -hmm. new practice area that you're doing, if you don't provide a reason for why you're doing that, your audience on social media could very likely, if they don't know you, be like, oh, this is just another money grab or why else are they doing this? And I think that's top of mind for me here because I think that is probably true as well for your team where if they don't hear about it from you, but if they then see these changes and they're not provided with the reason why these plans are being made, they'll come to their own conclusions. I love that. And you have a really smart coach, really the person that brought this up to you. The why is so important and it's actually very important when the news is not favorable. Mm-hmm. It's really important to say the reason that we have made this decision. And it really usually helps people understand and move on from that topic versus, as you said, coming up with their own dialogue. Yeah, really good. You also talked about something before we went live in terms of mm-hmm. missed opportunities. And when you said it, I was like, oh, I've never heard about this, but I totally get it. And you refer to it as the halo effect. Yes. So tell us yeah. more about what that is. Sure. So halo and horn effect, which is something that we all mm. <laughs> I think of, we all have had this experience where if someone does something, we use a law firm as an example, we have an, you have an associate. She is doing a great job as an associate. Clients love her, really detailed. As a result, you think, okay, she is wonderful. Let's have her become a manager of the entire department because she is so good at working with clients. Right. And she can do no wrong. So that is a halo effect where, and it's a natural thing that our brains do. We connect good with good, bad with bad. Porn is a similar, someone maybe is not great working with clients. They're not great with clients. And as a result, you feel, okay, they're not good with clients. I don't want to assign work to that person. Meanwhile, they may be incredibly detailed and a great drafter. That's the horn effect. Mm. And this came up prior to our being live right now because we were discussing how to address a situation where perhaps someone at a company, a law firm is elevated to a position. And then you discover after that change that perhaps that person isn't able to do what you wanted them to do. Then It happens all the time. It does. It does. And that's how that came up. That's the halo effect. And usually it's moving someone into a managerial role. Yeah. Managerial skills are very different from practice and law. It's actually a very different skill set. And now I want to complicate this question a bit because let's say that you bring on someone and there's this halo effect and you're like, I want to make them a manager. And then you're realizing, oh, that's not exactly their strong suit. But this person is recognizing it and is very willing and committed to improve on it. If you're in a situation like that, helping the business owner is, I've heard some people say that's a clear cut decision. If they don't have the chops, don't bother. Is it that 
easy or are the, do you have any recommendations for how that person yeah. can be coached as long as they want to succeed in their role? Yeah. One of the most important things is do they want it? And then do they have some natural ability towards it? If it's a manager, do they have a level of empathy? Do they have some basic traits? If those basic traits are there, mentoring, training, are apt, I believe are the next steps to helping that person move into that role and be successful because mm -hmm. we all need help. We all need training and yeah. mentor. And unless the person as an individual doesn't have empathy or isn't self-aware, then I would devote time and investment into that individual. And chances are they wouldn't have been moved into that role if they didn't have mm. some basic skill sets. And sometimes I think about this as a business owner too. If I place myself in that position as the CEO, where I see that with one of my team members, and I'm like, oh, I would love for this person to have coaching. I see a bunch of different options of what that could look like right? Like I could look to maybe someone like Margaret and say, in addition to all these other benefits that you're doing is a part of your service that you could help me coach this person. It could be that I'm just going to buy a course or program or set them up to talk to someone and I'm not being involved. Or there can be some type of a workshop or something that I attend with them and maybe even with others proactively to say, Okay, moving forward, the process is if you want to be a manager and if you're on the team where the managers are reporting to you, we want everyone to be a part of this conversation and aligned with these principles that we're learning. This is just the, kind of the way my brain works in, in, in terms of next steps. Is there one of those options that you tend to see or recommend most? I knew you were going to ask me that. It, it, you did? It, it, yeah, I did. It almost, it depends. One of the options I loved, but it would be financial in time. And those two components mm -hmm. don't always play well with businesses that are hourly based businesses. So right. I love the idea of the team being involved in team training. And so perhaps it's a component of that. It could yeah. be a quarterly training. It could be a book that is mm -hmm. recommended just to get the person's feed, ask them to read a book and then talk to them afterwards. It could be internal mentors. I'm a huge fan of pairing someone with mm. someone that has been successful within the firm. That's and usually great. Yeah. And usually someone that has been a good manager at a firm is flattered and wants that role. And it does, and it can be a check-in once every other week. So how is it going in your new role of managing mm. the litigation group or the state planning group? Right. How is it going? So it's a combination. I absolutely am a big fan of books, but not everyone loves books. So maybe right. that's not for everyone. I do think group training is great. Internal mentors is an incredibly economical and rewarding way to get started. I love that. I love the options that you're bringing here because one, as I was asking you the question, I was thinking about, and this has happened a few times where people have told me that they've gone through this, where they saw that there was a person on their team that had a problem and because they didn't communicate well, they ended up creating some type of a team training or workshop and everyone knew or could tell that by the topic of the workshop, it was because there was one person on the team who was struggling with it, but they didn't want to be direct with that one person. So they made it a team issue to work on. 
Yeah, that's uh, I've seen that and I am I think that is not the best route. And it's frankly, I'll be frank, it's the easy way out that I believe in managed by exception. So the whole entire firm or team doesn't need to be exposed to something if one individual, you address it with that individual. It just I love that. have and people know if they're usually know if they need help. And right. Even though it's not an easy conversation, respect the manager who does have that conversation with them, not bring in a specialist to coach the entire group because yeah. of them. It's embarrassing for that person. Sure. Okay. I'm glad we went there because I'm with you on that point. You talked about how so many of your clients that you work with by design, this is a fractional part-time, but also temporary route where six months or longer and then they can internalize all the ways that you've helped them with their team. Let's talk about what passing the baton there can look like. Sure. Yeah. It's a combination. It, it takes some time. So I would say that a thorough passing of a baton, let's say three months, because a few months mm. in, you identify, if it's an internal person, you identify that person and you stop bringing them into the engagement. Mm. The option of recruiting someone takes time. Sure. I'll back up and answer your question more directly. What that looks like is learning the firm, being able to make recommendations that I believe the firm will be able to embrace and be mm -hmm. happy with. Internal hiring, continuing to work with myself and my team at a much reduced level, but it is definitely, it's documented, it's discussed, there's buy-in, then there's a plan that's implemented and it usually takes a few months to really transition out. Mm. I'm curious, just because I'm seeing this more and more in businesses that are big enough to where it surprises me to hear it, where you come in and you help people. And then when you're ready to pass the baton, it becomes super clear that there's not really a leadership team in place. And we talked earlier about how you're wanting to pass the baton away from the business owner and empower the team, if there is not already a solid leadership team structure in place where there is larger levels of accountability at the department lead level, is that something that you will start working on if you see it? Do you start working that yes. towards the beginning so that it's there or do you zoom back to it when it's passing sure. the baton time? That is something that is identified really early on. Okay. That's usually one of the core situations to be addressed. And that infrastructure and leadership team, again, could be a part-time. I personally could stay on in a part-time capacity after mm. the baton is passed if that helped make sure that there are folks right. that can move things forward without it going back to the person that originally brought us on because yeah. they're managing it themselves. But yes, no, that is identified really early on. No, that's great. That's really great. For the companies that get to work with you, again, because of some emergency usually, and then they see the value, when they do bring, when they do continue to have you on retainer, I just, I want to speak to the superpower and the secret weapon of what you do. What do those testimonials or reviews send to sound, tend to sound like from those businesses that are continuing that relationship to working with you? Sure. There, a few things occur that are shared with me. It's seeing firsthand the benefits of not 
being involved in being able to know that something is being handled by yeah. someone and being handled well. There's also usually a goal that has been reached that was important mm. to the firm. So that's other feedback. There's a trust factor. And then when I'm working with a firm, I become part of that firm. It's really important to me. I'm a people person. So it's important to me that I know the firm. And at that point, the firm knows myself and my team. Mm. And the feedback is typically you have had such an impact on us and have also reduced some of the stress factors that other team members have experienced. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I really want to highlight that for companies that work with someone like you, when they bring you in, you really do feel like a teammate. That's critical. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very counterproductive when people at a firm feel as though this person's just coming in, they're here for a month and then they're leaving and we're still here. And that can happen and that's not part of the model. And that's why when the fractional firm management service is offered, it is for a period of time. And one of the options is to stay in a reduced capacity, but empowering internal and external if needed folks to come in mm. and take over some of the responsibilities. It's so good. It's so good. Now, if for Thank people you. who might just be tuning into this later part, I opened up by talking about how most of your clients have at least a team of five, if not more, really in that kind of small to medium-sized firm size. But for businesses and maybe non-law firms that are not yet to five people, to the extent that you've learned things and have resources, what are your top tips to get businesses to a point where if and when they start to have those issues that we talked about earlier, it really makes sense for them to come to you? What are your tips for getting businesses to that point so that you can help them? Sure. Yeah. We've had a few conversations. Yeah. I'm a very big fan of EOS and not necessarily following it strictly mm, because it is point. an investment of time and it's not for everybody. The part of EOS that I think is really impactful for any firm, any solo, small company, larger company is not only setting the goals that we want to, but having just a few. Yeah. And having clear responsibility. There can really only be one person that is ultimately responsible. They can have a team, but one person is responsible. So yeah. setting a few goals every quarter with a clearly responsible individual, I think is very important. I am a very big fan of the business plan. Again, does not need to be this mm. complex, but the business plan should include, you know, not just the financial, but also marketing efforts professional development efforts. It could be how many times are you going to be in a podcast if your goal is to build a yeah. client base. And then the last item that has been incredibly helpful for me as an individual, as a professional, and is being part of a group, a mastermind group. I'm I love a that. huge fan of mastermind groups. It's amazing how many times you'll sit around a table and find that you are part of a group that everyone is having the same challenges. Mm. And also that group gets to know you and they identify opportunities. And if it's a really good group, they're honest with you. They tell you like, Hey, you say the same thing every week. Right. Let's talk. about. <laughs> oh, I can, I can relate to that. Now being such a fan as you are of masterminds, what are your thoughts on things that make some masterminds great and making others 
not as great. So mastermind groups are different from business development groups, although naturally you get to know mm. people and if there's an opportunity to work together. I start by saying that because mastermind groups should be environments where you are talking about your goals, your business plans and how to reach them. So that's yeah. one. There shouldn't be a lot of selling, although that can happen, of course, naturally afterwards. Sure. The other is trust. There really does need to be guidelines and a level of trust in each other because you do want people to be really open. Yeah. I also think mastermind groups that bring in professionals and speakers, it's really valuable to maybe every quarter have someone come in and speak to a topic that has come up within the group. So that involves someone really running a good mastermind group because yeah. they're seeking that. And then commitment to the group, showing up for every meeting is yeah. really important unless there's an emergency. I think commitment to the group by all attendees is really important and yeah, critical. That's great. When you look at the masterminds that you joined, if you put yourself back in the mindset of when you were thinking about making that decision and that investment, was there a part of that was like, I want to be in the room with people who are further along than me or with people who are at around my level? Was that a big concern for you? For me, <laughs> I feel as though I've been part of groups where I've had a few experiences where people were further along than I was, and I learned so much from that experience. Mm -hmm. And people that are further along also tend to push a little bit harder. Right. And I think it can be uncomfortable, but if their attentions are well and you trust them, I think it can there's be an incredibly experienced. And I say this knowing that there are layers to this and chapters to this that I'm not at yet. But I totally agree with you. And I think there's almost this, there's appreciation of time that they develop more. And so they don't want to waste time not being direct or not getting to the heart mm -hmm. of, because they see the opportunity cost of, we only have this much time together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How are we going to make sure that it's as valuable as possible for everyone? You are spot on. It's true. Usually a group, again, meets regularly for a certain set period of time, and no one wants to s listen to the same recurring challenge without offering solutions or forcing the individual to, to make a change. Right, right. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Now, if you've been tuning in, you can tell that, that Margaret is a wealth of information. And when your culture starts to hit the fan, or hopefully before that, you should really consider working with Margaret, Margaret and her company. Margaret? You said that you do complimentary calls for people. Is that right? I do. Yeah. I think that it's important to understand what, why a person is reaching out and that yeah. takes some time. And so I am always happy to join a call, Zoom in person if geographically that works. And that. In, in here, what is happening, give feedback. If I can be a resource, I'm thrilled. If not... I always have a resource to provide and can Amazing. point someone in the right direction. Awesome. I'll collect more information from you, maybe a link or something, and we'll make sure we share that in the comments and the show notes and things. Again, you guys, when someone like Margaret can help you and offer something for free, again, even if your business might not need something like this yet, I'm learning just how much it pays in the long run to be proactively thinking about, okay, if I have these big goals for my business over the next year or the next few years, what are the risks that something like this could happen? 
And how can I start to plan for that now? And I say that because I feel like as a lawyer, I'm in the risk assessment business. And I am always telling my clients, here's a risk that we should probably prioritize based on where you're at in your business. And here might be a risk that can wait a while until it becomes more possible that we invest in creating solutions around it. I think that I don't know of any business that has a perfect culture. And I think that every business should be making investments into the types of organizations that Margaret has, because this is not stuff that we learn in school, definitely not in law school. And again, I keep going back to it, but I think that it is so empowering that Margaret has designed her business so that the ideal intention is that you won't continue to need Margaret's services. Now, if you want it, you can, but it's designed so that your business, your entire team can really internalize these strengths. And I'm really jazzed out about that whole concept because it's something that I am not really seeing others providing who are mm -hmm. offering this level of help. Yeah. Thank you. I've seen many different models and I do think it is unique. I know that from a business perspective, it's nice to have an ongoing relationship and hopefully that will be there. But the, really the goal is to fix a situation and improve it with a plan, a blueprint for longevity. So good. So good. Margaret, thank you so much for your time today. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, especially those of you who are able to pop in live or catch in the replay. If you caught any golden nuggets. And if you're watching this on one of our live streams, be sure to let us know in the comments what that golden nugget was. And you can even tag Margaret at Margaret Burke so that she sees it. All right, everybody, that'll do it for this week. Thanks again, Margaret. I'll see you all next week. Thank you. Bye, everybody. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn